Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening. I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 17th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. And also joining me is Liz Mitchell, uh, one of our excellent producers with Dark Past, Bright Future, and she's going to join me this evening. Now, this year, Monroe County residents will witness some crowded primary races such as those for Congress and the Indiana House as well as sheriff and judge. However, before the general election in November, candidates in the two main parties who are seeking these offices must first make it through the May 3rd primaries. Here's a list of the candidates who have filed to appear on Monroe County's crowded sheriff primary ballot in May. Steve Hill, running as Democrat, Ruben Marte, running as Democrat, Angie Purdy, running as Democrat, Joni Stalkup, running as a Democrat, Troy Thomas, running as a Democrat, and Nathan Williamson, running as a Republican. Of the five Democratic candidates, two are African-American. They are Troy Thomas and Ruben Marte. And tonight we plan to speak to both of these gentlemen. Now, a lifelong resident of Monroe County, Troy Thomas was born in Bloomington. His family and community involvement have been a cornerstone of Troy's life. He joined the Sheriff's Explorer Program in 1994. And Troy learned about the duties of law enforcement officers and made lifelong friends. Upon graduating Bloomington North High School, Troy joined the Monroe County Sheriff's Office as a jailer in the county jail. It was here that he saw firsthand how incarcerated inmates need more than just time in a cell to reduce criminal recidivism. A few years later, Troy joined Patrol Division, becoming the first African-American patrol deputy in the history of Monroe County. Troy has risen through the ranks of the Sheriff's Office from Patrol Deputy to Detective, Sergeant, Lieutenant, and Captain. He has led the Detective Division and Patrol Division, And as part of the patrol division, Troy was an integral part of modernizing the field training officer program, moving from paper forms to a digital solution. And throughout his 26 years with the sheriff's department, Troy has worked to modernize the department as policing and community needs evolve. In addition to his work with Monroe County, Troy has trained hundreds of officers across the state as an instructor at the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy. Leading off our conversation, is Lieutenant Troy Thomas of the Monroe County Sheriff's Department. Troy and Liz, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Welcome, Troy. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. I am, I am so delighted to have you join us this evening, and uh, we want to hear more from you than us. <laughs> so with that, if you want to, even though we read an introduction, if there's some things that I omitted, if you'd like to share with our listeners what those might be so they can get a better profile of who Troy Thomas is. Yeah, no, thank you again. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, you guys having me on. So one of the things that I would like to highlight is the fact that I've been here at the Sheriff's Department for now over 30 years, right at 30 years. At, when I was age uh, 14, I started what was called the Monroe County Sheriff Explorers. It was for kids that were interested in becoming police officers. I, so I joined that program. Uh, moving on to when I was 18, I still a senior in high school. I applied for a job in the Monroe County Jail, still part of the sheriff's office, and thinking that there was no way because they didn't hire that young. But since I'd already been with the agency since I was 14 as an explorer, the sheriff um, went ahead and hired me anyhow. Mm -hmm. 
At 20, I applied for a position with the road division. Again, thinking that there was no way, one, because the majority of the people had been hired 21. And also the whole staff at the time for the road division, they didn't look like me. So I thought there was no chance of me getting hired. I put my application in and here I sit talking to you today as still a member of the Monroe County Sheriff's Department. I was fortunate to get hired, youngest age, and also the first African-American to be hired on the road division at the Sheriff's Department. I bring that up because I'm proud of that. You know, that's one of the things that me and my family will always have from years on out to say that I was the first African-American to be hired at the Sheriff's Office. So with that being said, I've been here through the sheriffs. I've, I've experienced four different sheriffs, and some of which um, I've agreed with their viewpoint and some that I have not, and we all can't get it right. So I've been able to, to pick up what they, you know, what I felt was better from other sheriffs and what was bad from the other sheriffs, and I want to be able to take that and my life experience here at the Sheriff's Department as being an African-American and mold that into my own sheriff's, sheriff's office. I'm asking, you know, I, we have a lot of good candidates out there, but Ruben, great guy. I mean, I can't, I can't sit here and tell you anything bad about the guy. He's, uh, he's nice. He's, uh, people like him. Um, he's funny. Uh, he, we actually used to hang out. Obviously, we, we have a distance now because of the election, but Ruben's a, a great person. My thing for me is, and all the other candidates here, this, this is my home. You know, it's, I, I've been here. 30 years, and I've waited my turn. I've waited. I've waited, and I, I'm ready to run the sheriff's office and, and, and bring the current changes that we need to fix it. Hire more females, more minorities. Uh, we, these are things that we need and changing the, the cultural that we have been taught for years as police officers how we should do things, and we need to think outside the box, outside the Nothing says it's because the way we've been taught for years, we must continue that path. We can't continue down the path that we're on. Everyone's different. Not everybody necessarily needs to go to jail just because we can. Look at these individual situations that we have and base it upon life experiences as a whole. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you necessarily need to. I do appreciate you guys allowing me to speak, and I know you have questions, so... That's enough about me, and we'll move into those questions. Okay, I have I have some questions here. Yes, uh, ma'am. As you, for those uh, in our listening audience that do not know what an Explore program is, would you explain to them what it is? Number one, what your duties were as a fourteen-year-old, as a teenager, and does that program still exist? So, what an Explore was? It was a program that was sponsored by the Monroe County Sheriff's Department and also the, the Boy Scouts of America. Uh, it would allow for kids that were interested, that were in, in high school, excuse me, that were interested in joining a, uh, the, the police department and or the sheriff's department to join up as a explorer. What our duties consisted of, we would go out, work football games, basketball games. Uh, I, we did the IU football, basketball, directing traffic, sometimes security at different events that were generally uh, volunteer events, such as, um, oh, I'm trying to think, we're, we're talking 30 years ago. So <laughs> I remember that there used to be like a hayride or something that was put on at Cascades Park. We would go there to those type of events and we would help out with parking and whatnot, just volunteer our time 
to um, help those functions. And we would ride along with some of the other current police officers and they would, we would learn their day-to-day job, what they did, how they did it, and just teach us the basics and help give, give me an early start on learning what, what I do now. So um, we, do not can, we do not currently have the program. Uh, City Police does have the program still, but we don't have the program at this point uh, for the sheriff's office. And the, the next question may be, are we looking to bring it back? We would love to bring it back. Um, one thing for me that's it's a so cool moment. My uh, campaign manager, uh, Laura Fox, her and I both were explorers together. We haven't put that out there yet to most people, but she was an explorer, and I both. We and, and she now works for IU and one of their ad- admin spots at IU, Indiana University. And now we have the chance to to do the whole turnaround moment where we met when we were 14 years old. And now we're both, uh, I'm running for sheriff and she's my campaign manager. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, As a follow-up to Liz's question, that Explorers program, say if you had not gone on the trajectory that, you, that you're currently on and, and say that if you uh, went another path in life, that Explorers program, I would say, did help demystify uh, the life of a patrolman or patrolwoman. It, it probably helped to uh, bridge a divide between the community and patrolmen, um, uh, sheriff's deputies, rather. And, and it was a visible sign of a commitment from the sheriff's department back to the community. Um, and, and I heard you say that that's something that you would wish to re-implement. Uh, might that be, is that one of your campaign uh, uh, platform pieces to have, integrate some things? We have not uh, went out full board on saying that's something that, um, as, as far as a uh, platform, but it is something that, we have spoken about as a group that we would love to, to be able to bring that back at, at some point in time, um, just to give kids, if they're that are interested in it, that same chance that I had as that little boy. So um, definitely would love to bring it, but obviously there's bigger issues Absolutely. right now that, we, that we're dealing with. And um, so when I came, when we came up with our top priorities, that was one of the things that, that we had to. Um, well, well on that note, where we wanted that at. Well, on that note, what, what would your top three priorities be as the next sheriff of Monroe County? So one of the things obviously we talked about, and that is we have to, sorry, my phone is going to town here. and I, It's my dad. <laughs> sorry. But, uh, <laughs> one of the things that we talked about that we need as a priority is diversity recruitment. Yes. I mean, if, if we're going to, uh, and, I, and I get that, you know, Monroe County, as far as African-Americans, we make up almost 4% of Monroe County here. But my gosh, I mean, when we're dealing with people, the, the community has a right to be policed by people that look like them. And, and the, you know, right now, when when I'm the only one, as far as the sheriff's department, we did hire one other um, gentleman, African-American, um, uh, to our agency that has joined us. But we're the only two since the existence of the sheriff's office. This is what that's it Two, And uh, in the, the, second in the I, history, in the history, I was 1990. Well, 98 is when I took the road division spot since 1998. I went up until the last two years as the only African-American. And then we've uh, Sheriff Swain uh, made it a point that he wanted to hire um, more minorities and more females. And he set out, solely just to do that and he made good on it um 
as far as uh, the one we have now. And, and he's, he's done, we've done work to try to hire more. Um, it just hasn't worked out for whatever reason. Um, well, I, I know we, we had spoken earlier uh, before we went on and mm-hmm. you know, we had, we did talk historically and that um, we did have individuals that both you and I knew who had worked uh, in the uh, sheriff's department. I mean, yeah, the sheriff's department, um, a Jeanette Smith was one, a Cindy Casey was another, um, mm-hmm. and, um, oh, yours truly. John Bridgewater's yeah. working there. The, I was, I, I, I was a part-time deputy jailer for mm-hmm. well, a little, little shy of a year under uh, Tony Hines, when she was jail commander. And, uh, I believe Sheriff Brown was the, uh, the sheriff at that time, but you're, to your point, it, it has been hard to retain, uh, individuals of color in the sheriff's department. And yeah. when you look at the disparaging rates of incar- incarceration for the races, it seems um, at times that we are overly represented in the jail uh, as inmates. Yeah. And that that's something that, you know, you said earlier that working with the um, patrollers club, that gave you a sense of how to reverse recidivism rates. Uh, can you share with us some of the points you took away from that and what you might implement as sheriff to reverse... Yeah. And reduce that. So one of the things that to just to make sure I'm clear and not taking away um, others that have became before me. So when I'm referring to the first, Liz, when I'm referring to the first African-American, I'm referring to the road division. I was yes. the only, the first road division. So as Clarence said himself and others have, which I know majority, there was only one, I think it's in Cynthia. She's the only one I didn't know that, that worked in the jail. Um, so, and, and to get on to your, your question there, Clarence, one of the things that we want to do is work on the repeat offenders that we have in our jail. Um, it's a it's a huge problem. I worked in a jail. I've seen it in you know on the road, and a lot of the people that we arrest are the same. I mean, it's the same over and over. And I know it sounds a little bit uh, cliche, but as as the sheriff, we talked about me and my com- committee. We've discussed this. Is I want to be the sheriff that gets notified a week or a couple of days before somebody's about to be released for one of our prisoners that's been in our jail facility for a while, say they've been there six months to a year. I want to be notified prior to them being released. And I think we need a team, me as well, sitting on that board and not only a social worker on that board to figure out ways to talk to that inmate and to figure out ways to keep them from coming back. I won't like, we're just now, we're just releasing them and go do your best. It can be, I mean, a lot of it can be stopped, you know, speaking to them, giving them ideas and other options, help them get on their feet. And as sheriff, I would want to sit on that, that, that board and um, have one of our um, social workers speak with them and figure out how can we keep you from coming back? How can we get you a job? How can we get you on your feet and, and make sure that I, I don't see you again and, and, and you don't become a repeat offender? Right. I'm sorry. Did you have something to say there? I'm sorry. No, no, I was I was agreeing with you. But before you start, Liz, let me let me do a quick ID. Yeah. To let people know who just tuned in, um, who that gentleman was with the uh, profound idea for our Monroe County Sheriff's Department. That was uh, Troy Thomas, who you've just listened to. He is joining us tonight as one of the candidates of color for the office of sheriff for Monroe County. And uh, joining us also is Liz Mitchell. This is sort of a two-part interview in that we will also be interviewing with Ruben Marte, who's also a candidate of color for the office of sheriff. But um, I just wanted to throw that idea out there. And Liz, go right ahead with your question. 
Okay, I just wanted to, would you please, Troy, you started off talking about your three priorities and you did one, which was diversity. What are the other two? So he, so you, you make me narrow down. We have five of them that were listed out. And we okay. actually kind of touched on the other one, and that was pursue alternatives to rest. What are, what are other things that we can do to keep people from going to jail? Um, I don't know if you guys have watched my page or anything else. And if I start tearing up, it's because this is a teary conversation. So when I first started working at the sheriff's department, I, I wish I could take those days back because when I first started, I didn't really care about people that I was taking to jail. I just knew I was taking them to jail. I didn't listen to them. I didn't hear their, their conversations. But as I started working here, I started realizing that a lot of these people didn't have both parents at home like I had growing up. A lot of these people were doing the things they, do, they were doing to take care of their families. I learned to listen and just not take people to jail just because I can not write a ticket just because I can. I, I say this with the part that I was saying that was tearing me up is one of those things came, one of those stories became full circle. I announced that I was running for sheriff and one of the guys that I dealt with 20 years ago found out I was running for sheriff and he sent me a letter and that letter had me on the edge of my bed, absolutely in tears. And he talks about me stopping him and he was suspended and didn't have a license. And instead of taking him to jail, I dropped him off at Ivy Tech and took him to school. And he said that he, he was telling his, his family and kids, he was like, this guy's running for sheriff. And he said, before I knew it, I bragged about you 15 times to my wife. And it led me to this point that same guy that said I took him to school and then helped him finish school and helped him get his license. The letter goes on and on. It's on my Facebook. But anyhow, when I was trying to respond back to him, I was absolutely in tears. One, because I had forgotten about it. And there had been so many cases to where I'd done this. But then when he brought it up, I remembered every bit of it. That guy ended up being one of my top donors in my campaign. I don't want to give a number, but it's, it was more than I could ever imagine. I'm sorry, I'm done with that. Well, you know, that, that's just a testament to uh, good deeds don't go unnoticed. And um, sometimes, you know, as, as a testament to what you've sown into others, and maybe that second chance that we all need from time to time. And trust me, we all need a second chance. Yeah. And have that but, sensitivity but my- means a lot. My point is, I teach that to our guys now. Mm-hmm. I tell the guys, like, you know, when you go out there to write a ticket or whatever else, and I can't be hard on them because I was the same way I was when I first started. But I tell them, like, why are you writing it? What are you getting out of this ticket? Can you get the message across, the same message across, with just talking to that person? I'm not telling you one way or the other to write it or not to write it. But before you do it, think about that. And that kid that's in that back seat, if you write that ticket, are you taking food out of that kid's mouth? Those are just the things you got to think about. We may jump to a conclusion and think that we need to do it because that's the way we always done it. But the mere fact that you may take somebody to jail or whatever else, it's something that we'll forget about within minutes. That person won't, though. They will never forget it. 
And those are the things that you need to think about before you act and make those type of decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well Well said. We have about four minutes and I'm going to ask a question. I know you are. That means we're going to have to have you back. But uh, we're going to have about four minutes left in this segment of our show. But one question that I I want to hear, and and Liz talked about that earlier, uh, what are the strategies you have to recruit more officers of color? Uh, Women especially. Women especially, yes, ma'am. So I didn't even cover the the women issue. We have one female right now. That's it. One female. So our whole plan is just strategically go for those type the minorities and the females. We have to have them. Liz, you've been around the police long enough as your husband. <laughs> we we can't, you know, any any man that I've ever heard, and don't think that I haven't heard it that say that we don't need females here in our in our age. We don't need we can get by. They're they're completely wrong. Mm-hmm. This you can't we can't do this job without. There's things that the a female officer can do that at least a male can't do. And I'm not saying that we're just using that female officer, but I mean, there's interviews they can do. The children they speak with, they are needed in this job. Uh, others, same as um, that, we need more of a diverse agents. Just mm-hmm. period. Yeah. I mean, how can how you know when I tell people like Liz's response is a common response we get all the time. Like, what you're it? How can we continue to do that? We can't continue. Uh, policing the streets with one person of color, one female, it has to change. And those that want to say that you can't just strategically recruit, watch me. We're going. We, you have. We can't continue doing this. We, and so to, to answer your question, we have to go to those areas where the minorities are at. We have to go to the areas and, and more recruitment. Go to the schools, seek out, get surveys. Go to the, start to as we did talk about with explorers. Go to these schools, get on some type of um, uh, school program or the WIT program or whatever they, uh, they call it these days and have the females and minorities more interested in this field and come join us. Start out as a young age like I did and join our agency. We, and we, we can't continue operating this way. And it's just a, a mere fact. It, it has to change. Well, you know, Troy, years ago, I had written a letter to the mayor. This was prior to... Hamilton, and I had made suggestions. I was concerned about not having enough on the sheriff's department, the uh, fire department, as well as Bloomington City Department. And here, every year we have the Black Expo. And mm-hmm. I go and you see police departments and fire departments from everywhere, except for Bloomington. And there, how many, you got people from all across the country coming there. And yep. a great resource for recruitment and Bloomington wasn't represented. I never, I never got that. And, you know, I, I give kudos to you. I know what it's like to be the first. That is difficult. So if people don't realize how difficult it is for the first African-American in any position. You go through crap for a while. And maybe it was different for you because oh, no. you were homegrown. <laughs> but I came, I, I'm not homegrown. And I was the only Black female for 35 years. And it's no joke. You got to come home and, and, and sleep just to, you know. So for my viewers that are watching that have already watched some of our material, I would ask that you guys, if you haven't seen it, go to my Facebook page, watch me at my campaign kickoff. I talk about my first time when I first got hired in and how my supervisor tried to get me out of the academy. And mm-hmm. it was 
you know, I'll say it now because I didn't say his name last time. And that has to do with the person who helped me. And that was Sheriff Randy Williamson. He found out that my immediate supervisor tried to get me kicked out of the academy. Well, he did. He, he told me I was not scheduled to go to the academy. And what that means, if I hadn't have gone to the academy, they would they didn't have to retain me as an officer. So the, this person, supervisor at the time came back and said, hey, I want you to know they canceled your academy. You're going to go a different date. Well, Sheriff Randy Williamson found out that this happened. And he said, he asked me, who told you you're not going to the academy? I then told him the name. And he said, they're messing with you. Don't listen to anybody but me. You're scheduled to go to the academy. And don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. Mm-hmm. If, if I hadn't have gone to that academy, I would not be sitting here right now. And that was purely 100% without a doubt because of the color of my skin. I knew it. And, I, and I, I'm not saying that I agree with them or ex, ex, I've learned to accept it, but I was different than them. You know, I was different. They never seen anything like me in the agency. And once they got to know me, some of them opened up. Some of them didn't. But mm-hmm. you know what happened at the end, Liz and Clarence? Those people, those same people that did what they did to me or treated me badly, I ended up being their boss. But I didn't hold it up. I didn't hold any part of that against them. I knew that there, my point of saying that is I knew that there were still good people within the agency that accepted me for who I was and not judged me because of the color of my skin. But to act like it didn't exist, I'd be lying. It did exist. So, and oh. still does to a certain degree. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, time has Clarence gotten away. Oh. <laughs> and I, and I, but you know, I also said, see, I also stuck in there that we're going to have you back. But uh, for the first part of our show tonight, we want to thank Troy Thomas for spending some very invaluable time, just enlightening conversation on his candidacy for sheriff of Monroe County. And we'll now spend some time with our second guest, Ruben Marte, who, along with Troy, is an African-American candidate for sheriff of Monroe County. Ruben Marte has served as a law enforcement officer for 31 years beginning at the New York City Department of Corrections on Rikers Island and culminating into a successful career at his current assignment with the Indiana State Police. He has worked extensively to improve police and community relations. Marte has hosted workshops for civilians and facilitated training sessions for Indiana State Police cadets and veteran officers on a wide range of subjects including cultural awareness for law enforcement and improving police and community relations in underrepresented communities throughout the state. Marte states that he understands well the complexities of policing, the community's perception of law enforcement officers, and the increased need for understanding and compassion in in policing. He has been a reoccurring guest on Bring It On, along with hosting numerous workshops around the state and in the city of Bloomington. One notable workshop workshop dealt with surviving a law enforcement pullover. Captain Morte, welcome to Bring It On. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great for you to, to come on with us and, uh, and afford some time to talk about your candidacy uh, for Sheriff of Monroe County. Uh, just on, as you know, we've had a conversation already with uh, one, of your, one of your many thousands of uh, contested competitors. That particular race is, is full of individuals and um, five, at least five Democrats and one Republican. But nevertheless, uh, we have talked with Troy 
And as with Troy, we'd like to ask you to take a, a moment or two or three and just introduce yourself to the public. Now, we were at the introduction, but of course, that doesn't capture everything. If you'd like to just reacquaint yourself and, and introduce yourself to some, we'd appreciate it at this time. Absolutely. So uh, once again, my name is Ruben Marte. Currently, I'm a captain with the Indiana State Police. I'm the first equity inclusion officer assigned to the state police at the present time as well. Um, roughly about eight years ago, I was transferred from investigations. I was a commander for, let's say you take Indiana, divide it into half. And uh, from Indianapolis to the Ohio River, all the detectives reported to me. So any high-profile crime that needed to be worked on came across my desk. However, eight years ago, I was transferred over to the legal office. Sat down with my new boss and we discussed, you know, and this is not a knee-jerk reaction to Ferguson, but we discussed how do we how do we try to address issues, complex issues between the police and the community. So one of the things we decided to do was to put together a training only at first for our troopers, which is called Cultural Awareness for Law Enforcement. Now that program is six hours long, and since I'm an accredited instructor through Indiana Law Enforcement, they get certain credits for that. Now simultaneously, as I'm putting together this training it became crystal clear that we needed a second training uh, program to provide to the community. That one is three hours long. So as we're training our troopers on the six hours long training for cultural awareness for law enforcement, simultaneously we're going out and reaching out to the community and, 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 and providing information to the community uh, about the police culture. So fast forward to now, that's about approximately now going on eight years. And I could tell you that the program has been very successful on both ends community and the police to the point now, as you mentioned before, Clarence, that, you know, I'm, I'm providing training to uh, multiple, multiple uh, city agencies, university police departments. So now I could easily say we, we have to be in about the tens of thousands of officers that we train throughout the years and equally to the community through, for example, through your radio program. Uh, I've been on uh, the Spanish radio program. I've uh, been on many, many panel conversations. Universities have invited me to come and sit on their panel conversation as well. Which what I noticed was is that that once we develop an understanding of the the, the sensitive and, and, and passionate topic of the community with the police, we can then try to uh, mend the bridge here and have develop a certain trust among both 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 groups. Uh, I always say that we have a lot in common, um, but we don't talk about those that we have in common. Unfortunately, when something bad, negative happens, uh, social media, you know, it spreads really quick. But I can tell you that in the years that I've been doing this, it's been very, very uh, uh, gratifying to see the success uh, on the police side and also the community side. So I could, I could easily, easily articulate that I personally have seen it because I'm the one providing the training and it's been very fortunate. I've been very blessed uh, at this point to, to talk to so many people and hear their passionate concerns and uh, the understanding. And, and when we both walk away, we walk away with a better understanding of the actual sensitive topic. So now, I'm sorry, to conclude, so I think to conclude, uh, to wrap it up here, as one of the candidates as, as uh, for the Monroe County Sheriff Department, I could tell you that throughout my career, my life experience living in the South Bronx, being raised to the point of, of being an officer for 31 years, has put me in a, in a very unique situation that I could understand the community concerns. I also understand the police culture. And we have those dual combinations. We could actually, I'm in a better position to to uh, help and alleviate any concerns or fear that the community might have with the police. 
what are your top priorities if you were elected sheriff? What are your top priorities, your top concerns that you would get done? I, I, have, I have four. I definitely want to increase public safety. I want to reduce people returning back into the system. I also want to provide training. If I am the next sheriff from Monroe County Sheriff, I want to provide training to the entire sheriff department to include civilians as well. But the main one that I really want to increase for for Monroe County, it's an outreach program, robust outreach program with the community. I truly believe we should not wait for a crisis to happen before we get together and have a conversation. What you have to have that passionate, difficult conversation before any other crisis, because we know something could happen, but we need to be prepared. Us, as the Monroe County Sheriff Department, along with the people that we're supposed to serve and protect, the community. So those are the four main things I want to do. And uh, as, Go ahead. As, you, as you look at the challenges uh, that law enforcement's facing today, it could be local, national, uh, we, and we have talked about this before on this show. What are the top three that you see that um, say maybe national in scope but tend to bleed over into the local sphere? Um, and along with identifying those, how do you plan to address those? No, so the question is how the national incidents affecting the local, meaning Monroe County or Bloomington? Uh, if you want to go that route, or if there are local challenges uh, that are unique just to this Bloomington area, and well, Monroe County rather, uh, how would you deal with those? So you could either go national, large in scope, and come down to uh, this county, or you could start with the county and then maybe talk a little bit about some of the national impact that's going on in the law enforcement. Okay. One of the things I like to do is to see if something happens in another state, another city, how, how is it that one city or location does not have, when they have a crisis, they don't have riots? Or why is it another city might have a crisis? And they do. And one of the things I think is coming back to me again, and I know I'm repeating this again, but it needs to be repeated, is that we have to be able to communicate to each other before a crisis happens. To me, we're sitting in a unique position right now because really, Bloomington and Monroe County, we're in a very good location right now, a very good spot in the sense of we do have officers that are very compassionate, very understanding. Because I've seen them, I work with them, so I know that's the case. Now, but what I want to do is build on that and have us meet more often, have more conversations. And I want to hear the concerns of the community because you're right. Each community is unique to itself. What is taking place in Anderson, Indiana might not be the same in Bloomington. What's taking place in Evansville might not be the same in Bloomington. And I'm aware of that because I've been to those places. However, as the next sheriff, the main thing for me would be actually having a continuing conversation, continuing listening to the community to see their concerns, and also hear their expectation for their sheriff department. Ruben, do you feel that there is a responsibility of the sheriff and the sheriff department to aid those that were incarcerated, that would be incarcerated in your jail upon release? Do you feel you should play an active role in helping them once they're released? Absolutely. That's one of the things that when I mentioned increasing public safety, that that rolls into that. And also reducing uh, individuals returning to the system definitely rolls into that. And what I mean by that is this. I would like to have a program within the actual system that if someone is having, for example, uh, uh, a mental crisis, why not provide certain services within the system and also try to have that individual before that person is released into uh, society is that to have another support system outside as well. Try to connect the two. So when that person needs assistance, 
is being provided right away. Because what happens is, you know, so many people might be uh, in crisis and in returning when they release, return right back to the same crisis they came in with. So that is a very crucial element of trying to assist someone where they're at. Because if someone is having a mental crisis, we need to provide them with, with, with particular services that we can. And, and one thing, you mentioned the very rich and uh, resources for many different things. So if you have a person that, that for example, uh, has a narcotics problem, well, that's a unique person that needs this unique certain special skills to receive help. Bloomington has that. So it's, it's a matter of us getting together, thinking outside the box, and not reinvent the wheel, and provide the support that is needed within the system and also out, us working together. You know, Ruben, uh, Bloomington has this unique dynamic going on in that we're the county seat area. And we also coordinate, the sheriff would coordinate with city of Bloomington police, as well as um, IU police department. And I'm not sure to what extent with the state police, but the, the sheriff of Monroe County would have that sort of unique opportunity to coordinate with all these different branches of law enforcement. How do you do that? How do you coordinate that? Well, for example, um, you know, let's talk about what we do now. Uh, anytime there's a major event in Bloomington, let's say a football event or, or basketball game or a case may be, we all want to get all of us to include the state police. So we're, that's nothing uncommon for us to do. Now, the difference for me would be is that even though there might not be any events that we have to work together, I would still like to have that, that, rapport, that rapport with different departments just in case there is anything that we need to work together in a rapid pace. Because you're right, we're unique in the sense that we have IU Police Department, we have the city of Bloomington, but don't forget we also have Ellettsville uh, in this county as well, as long as Steinsville. So we have other small towns that are from the city that have their own police department, and we work well with them as well. So, so not only uh, we have special events that for us to work together, but we have to be prepared uh, to work together when there's no special event as well. I heard uh, a while ago that that there are shortages in law enforcement, and that there's sometimes double coverage that's needed, or or a courtesy assist with some other locales you mentioned, Ellettsville and Steinsville, and that there are at times a need to go and assist if they're, say, short of personnel to cover some things. Um, now, that, that speaks to good coordination. Could there be joint programming that goes on with these various departments to help, um, well, I don't know, just have a more seamless and uh, con uh, some continuity of service? I think that takes place now, to be honest with you. I, I truly believe that when one is in need, we all will step up and assist where the assistance needs to be taking place. Uh, I'm pretty sure if we reach out to Wagner University and say, hey, we need some help in this location, they'll, they'll provide it. I'm pretty sure if we reach out to Ellisville and say, hey, can you can you help us with this particular issue? They'll, 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 they will help, just like Bloomington Police Department and all the state police. So in my, it's been my experience that if one of us needs assistance and we make the call, it, it, the assistance will be there. One way or the other, it will be there. Okay. And then one final question along those lines. Uh, do you perceive that the levels, the, well, the levels of, of manpower for the sheriff's department is adequate and in recruiting perhaps more uh, uh, troopers or, or, sorry, recruiting more deputies, would you also have initiatives to recruit people of color uh, to fill these roles? Well, absolutely. The more diverse you are, the, the, the think the better you serve the, the, the community. 
Um, that's that's been my experience. Um, you know, coming from a big city like New York City, you you are accustomed to seeing people that look like you wearing a uniform. And you know, you as human beings, we we tend to gravitate to people that look like us. I mean, that's that's you know, that's the way we are at times. However, being diverse like we are in Bloomington and Monroe County, I think that's a great strength for us. So to answer your question, yes, yes. Would I prefer to have a more diverse department? Absolutely. Uh, recruiting, you know, it's it's a the numbers are low throughout throughout law enforcement. Period. I mean, we just can't select an agency that that's just nationwide. Um, however, that being said, the people that actually step up and uh, seek a career in, in, in this particular environment are very good people. Um, I, I've met I met the young people at the academy for IU Police Department. I met them met them for our people for the state police, and uh, very 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 uh, kind, uh, passionate young men and young women uh, that that stepping up to join the police force. Thank you, uh, Liz. Yeah, Ruben, I would like for you to convince our listening audience why the voters should vote for you. Let's say if it's just you and Troy running, just the two of you. Why should the listening audience vote for you uh, rather than a 30-plus-year veteran of the sheriff's department? Well, the position that I've held before and vast for the state police, uh, I assure you to become a captain with the state police is not an easy, easy task to do. Mm-hmm. I've been very, very blessed in the sense of my experience in working in Rikers Island, as you mentioned earlier. That taught me certain skills that you just don't learn anywhere. Uh, it took me some time to get to the level that I'm at now. And being raised, being raised in the in the in the South Bronx, uh, being able to to uh, live in an environment, you know, because I'll be honest with you, I, I had no idea I was going to be in law enforcement when I was growing up in the South Bronx. But but from from looking outside in and seeing certain issues that we were facing as a young person back then, really gave me a set of a, a state of mind that how understanding how people view the police. So that being said, and I'll fast forward to now, um, I'm bringing certain skills to the table. For example, when I mentioned that I that I provide training to multiple law enforcement agencies at this place in time uh, to include Ohio Highway Patrol outside of the state of Indiana. And when I mentioned that I also have programs that I provided to the community, well, I don't think any of my, my colleagues have done that as either. So those are the two main, well, three main different things that I could bring to the table. Uh, Rikers Island, providing training to multiple police agencies, providing programs to multiple uh, uh, community outreach programs, which I still continue to this day doing at the present time. Okay. Uh, I want to circle back to uh, that next generation. Um, you know, it's their view of, of a career in law enforcement, uh, maybe similar to their career in just um, the work world in general. I'll work here for a few years and I'll jump somewhere else and I'll go somewhere else. So, you know, how, how would you recruit and then keep them here in Monroe County? Well, one, one thing would be uh, a better pay. That's one. Um, it, it's, it's difficult to raise a family sometimes and, 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 with the salary that law enforcement officers make um, and all correctional officers. So that's definitely one incentive. Uh, I know for a fact that uh, us, the Indian State Police, we had to go back and do that just to make sure that we, we attract 
uh, people of a certain level and also be able to maintain them and not lose them. Uh, that's the last thing you want to do is spend some time and energy and money training someone. And then they leave because another department will pay them more. So we have to really consider, uh, do you want to pay for someone's education and then lose them and start from scratch again? I mean, that, that doesn't make sense to me. So I would say the main thing would be, obviously, uh, uh, a good income uh, for people to stay. And, and those, go ahead. I was, gonna, I was just going to say those... Uh, those strategies to do just that, achieve just that, are not easy. Uh, limited budgets everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. there would have to be, as you know, some type of unique strategies put into place to, you know, offset. If we can't pay you X amount, we can give you greater opportunities here. And if you can work with us and commit to us for a time, then later on, uh, opportunities with more pay should come around. But uh, I appreciate that response. and. I just, uh, I've heard from various other uh, agencies, police, uh, and elsewhere that keeping good people is always a challenge. So, Liz, you had a follow-up? Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking about uh, the people in our community and our listening audience that don't know the difference between the agencies. So, Ruben, could you explain the difference between the city police and the sheriff's department and what roles do they play in our community? So let me stop with what I do. So, so being a captain with Indiana State Police means I, I, I we cover the entire state. Yes. Now, so we cover the entire state. So, right now, the position that I have, I, I, I'm, I cover, can cover based on the role that I'm playing now, 92 counties. However, when I concentrate on Monroe County, and when you mean the sheriff department, you know, it's a difference in uniform, but the sheriff department is responsible as well for the jail. So you have two components. You have deputies that work the road, but you also have correctional officers that work the jail inside the jail. Now, I look at Monroe County Finest as the deputies out there, but I also look at the, the, the correctional officers as Monroe County Boulders. You have to have a certain uh, level of confidence and understanding to work with people that are in crisis, particularly when you're outnumbered in a jail setting. That's certain skills that, that not everybody has. Now, with the city, the city takes care of the city and the city jurisdiction. So now, let's say you have a Bloomington officer. Uh, they have police powers throughout the state of Indiana, period. But the main jurisdiction would be the city of Bloomington. Then you have the county officers that encompasses Bloomington, also encompasses Ellettsville and Steinsville. And then you have the state police that encompasses the, every other county in the state of Indiana. Did I, did I answer your question? Yeah. I, okay. you, know, you know I know, but I wanted our listening audience because I've had people ask me that question. Yes, I'm yes, I'm an yes. authority on that. No, no, it, ma- it, ma- it our, makes sense. Yeah, I wanted our yeah. listening audience to understand what, what the, the difference is. And, and a follow-up question, and, and I've heard people ask my husband this question, how, uh, what instances do the sheriff's and the city and state work hand in hand. What problems do they, the three agencies, work together on? Hey, for example, anytime uh, if there is a, a an emergency crisis, let's say I don't know a tornado, let's say we can work together. If it hits the city of Bloomington, we, we all going to work together. 
if there are any large events that's taking place in Monroe County, all of us, to include IU, uh, include the city of Ellisville, we all, uh, to police, state police, we're all going to work together. So there are many things that go behind the scenes that a lot of the public's not not be aware of, but it takes a lot of preparation. For example, when you have a city that you have so many people, oh, I use an example, Ohio football. You know, when Ohio comes to Indiana, they come strong, particularly the Bloomington. And, you know, it takes a lot of work to strategize to make sure that the traffic peaks continue to move, you know. So it's a lot of efforts for all of us working together behind the scenes, preparing for that particular event. And also when everyone goes home, we're, we're still out there trying to make sure everyone is safe and make sure that there is no other issues that we need to be aware of. Another example would be here, particularly for Bloomington, the Little 500. Well, that's an event that, you know, we all come together for that one because we have to. You know, not, not, one, not one agency could take care of that, take a little cover that event. There's a lot of people participating in that event. So for us to provide, provide public safety, we have to work together for those types of events. I am. Um... I appreciate your comments on how you would train officers to have the compassion and have a sensitivity for working with the public because that, that is needed without question. Uh, but you mentioned that individual that is incarcerated and you, we talked in the early part of this conversation about how do we encourage them or give them the tools not to come repeat offenders or the recidivism rate. How do we lower that in our jails so that, uh, say, John Jones and you know, just making up a name here, isn't a, f- a familiar face every three months. He or Jane Jones or whatever are back for this extended time out. So uh, how would you, uh, what are your ideas on how to, to lower the recidivism rate in Monroe County? Well, one one thing that comes to my mind is providing some, some, talk of type, some type of support. What I mean by that is if a person has, let's say, uh, uh, a narcotics problem, well, why not try to have some type of support within the system or training or education within the system before they get back out into the public sector? But at the same time, having support outside as well, because if you don't have that support inside and outside, you know, the chances of, of, of a person returning is high. So I have talked to certain people uh, that are, uh, in charge of certain programs that are willing to participate and help out. Like I mentioned before, Bloomington has a lot of programs, a lot of uh, people that want to help out and assist and help make sure that people don't return back into the system. Now, it obviously is going to take an effort from, from, from the, uh, the jail side and also from the public. But it's been done. It can be done again. We just have to learn what works, expand on that program, and, and help people where they're at. Because, for example, if someone is in a crisis, we have to make sure that we take care of whatever crisis that is. So I can't think of, 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 of a very specific one-time problem that could be uh, solved fairly quickly. It's an ongoing process. We have to have certain things in place. So if someone comes into the system, we can provide them the system. Now, another thing is this. If a person... For whatever reason, the police encounters a person, which we do now, that we make a determination. At first, we're thinking it's a criminal activity. But when we get there, we realize, you know, this is not a criminal activity. This really is a medical issue. So if a person is doing something that really looks illegal, but when you get there and you do an assessment, you, that person's not, not going to go to jail. It shouldn't go to jail. It should go to 
you know, if it's a hospital to a hospital, if it's a mental facility, a mental facility. So, you know, we're getting very, we're getting better at that. Uh, because before, you know, if, if the police was called, it would, chances are you you ended up in, in, in the system. Now, you know, in the environment that 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 we're working now, if a person is having a mental issue, we want them to take them to the hospital. We need to take them to the to to a jail setting. So we do a whole lot better in, in, in that in that type of scenario. And if I can, Liz, just one follow up. I know that. Um all types of problems that plague law enforcement, be it even domestic uh, situations at home or, you know, mental issues, of course, addiction issues. And then there are the homeless who really are, are just the, the marginalized out there. Um, and sometimes we talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time or just a perception that, oh, here comes trouble or whatever. It takes a compassionate heart to deal with individuals who really are on, on just, just in a rough patch. Um, any suggestions on how certain intervention measures might take place in Monroe County with the sheriff, the sheriff's department dealing with, say, the homeless or really just down on the luck type people? So right now, uh, Bloomington has a very good program uh, uh, trying to help out uh, people that are homeless or houseless. Uh, but at the same time, I do know that a lot of the officers are being trained uh, for crisis interventions team and and in that training you know we try to learn uh all the resources that a city has uh or the county has and try to connect that individual with those with those programs um and again bloomington has a wealth of resources uh to help those that 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 need help um i was very fortunate enough to go through a week training with indianapolis police department on crisis intervention and the reason why i i did the entire week. I wanted to see and learn uh, from bigger city view, in a sense. And what they did was was a very good program. They they partner up with the National Alliance for Mental Illness, and what they would do, they would bring people that actually are stable now, but had issues before, but now they take the medication and, and they're stable. I didn't realize at the time I was going to the training. These are they were we were role playing. And, and, and I remember some of the people that I was role-playing with, I thought they were people that volunteered, but uh, they were officers or uh, counselors. But these were actually people that at one time, uh, for whatever reason, were in crisis, but now they're doing a whole lot better. So they, through National Alliance for Mental Illness, they role-play with us, and they will tell us there are certain words that you probably shouldn't be using when a person is in the crisis. I never thought of that. Also, another thing, I've, you know, I had one lady, uh, uh, as I'm role-playing with her, she said, one thing you, 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 you need to remember, and I know you want us to comply, and as officers, sometimes your voice will escalate because you want us to comply. But I want you to understand that a person like me, I'm already hearing voices in my head right now. And as you raise your voice, the voices in my head are getting louder to the point that I'm not even hearing you. I'm just hearing what I'm hearing in my head. I never thought of that either. So we in law enforcement are getting better and, and understanding and, and, and receiving so much training right now on to deal with people that are in whatever crisis they might be in. Um, I could tell you that across the board, a lot of agencies are taking the extra step uh, to learn certain skills that the public probably is not really aware of. Because I could tell you right now, um, 
the city of Bloomington, I even rode with a Bloomington police officer one time when I was going through that training. They received that training as well, along with the sheriff department as well. Good. And unfortunately, as is the case, time escapes. And oh, actually, you summed up things very well with that, uh, with that response. We're, we're at that point, and as I did share with Troy, we'll just have to have you both back, um, perhaps um, before the primary, but uh, we'd love to have you back once the public sort of um, signals its top priority, because candidates have their top priorities and the public has theirs. And those will become, I believe, more clear as we get closer to that primary date. But we want to thank uh, both Ruben Marte and Troy Thomas for spending some time during an enlightening conversation on their candidacy for sheriff of Monroe County. To learn about both campaigns, go to www.troythomasforsheriff.com and www.rubenforsheriff.com. You can learn a wealth of information about both of these candidates. It will be rubenmarteforsheriff.com. Correction. Thank you. Ruben Marte <laughs> for sheriff.com. <laughs> we'll say it one what? more time. Ruben Marte for sheriff.com. Okay. <laughs> All right. It On has an open submission policy. So if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address again is bringiton at wfhb.org. And bring it on. Executive producer is yours truly, Clarence Spoon, and our assistant producer is William Hosea. And our show consultant and WFHB News Department Director is Kate Young, with our program engineering being performed by Chantal LaFontaine. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effium with additional background tracks by David Baker. WFHB, I'm Clarence Boone. And I'm Liz Mitchell. Be sure to stay tuned next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On, right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.